0: This is Joe Kwan, The Connection Counselor, your host on Diversity Bytes, the program for everybody who understands the challenges inherent in creating a more diverse workforce. Join us as we explore the strategies and mindsets needed to transcend statistics, increase belonging, and unlock higher Hello, this is Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor, and welcome to another episode of Diversity Bites, the only daily diversity podcast in the world. I'm also the creator of the Everybody Thrives program, which is for companies looking to unlock the full performance of all their people. Well, today we're going to wrap up uh, this first part of the three uh, parts of the Zen and the art of anti racism. We have two more episodes to wrap up the week, also on the topic of mindfulness and inclusion. Um, And then starting next week, uh, we'll go back to our more typical programming. But this week, I really wanted to share with you some of the concepts and benefits that I've gotten through mindfulness that I believe have a very practical and more importantly, powerful application and impact into diversity and inclusion work. Excuse me. Uh, Today's episode, we're going to talk about uh, being untethered, and this is inspired by one of my favorite, favorite books of all time, The Untethered Soul by Michael A. Singer, Uh, the way he explains uh, concepts um, about uh, who we are in the universe and how we are formed uh, as human beings. um, I just, every year I get something new and deeper out of it, and I try to apply it uh, to my life. So, I'm going to share uh, just a few concepts that uh, he goes over, uh, and I call this the untethered episode that I think have great um, application into um, how we work with others and, and how we show up uh, in terms of teams and organizations. So, one thing that I find um, super fascinating is uh, this concept of um, our thoughts and feelings. Um, that we have. And this concept, and stay with me for a moment, uh, maybe for those of you who um, are not as familiar with these concepts, our thoughts and feelings aren't actually who we are, right? they are things that happen and they are things that we are experiencing, but the question the way he asks is who's experiencing it, right? So it's like a subject versus the object. So the thing that's happening is our thoughts and feelings, but we are the subject right? We are the person who is observing or experiencing it. And this distinction is very important because often it can be very easy um, to not realize that and believe that everything we feel and think is actually who we are. And the challenge with that is often that can result in us being swept away uh, by those thoughts and feelings. I know I've been a victim of that expert ruminator for, you know, 50 years. Um, and it, it actually is not who we are. It is just something that um, we're experiencing uh, sort of as information, kind of trying to tell us something, but observing it and getting information from it is different than being swept away by it. And This is sort of this concept of being untethered uh, from our ego and our thoughts and emotions. Um, just to be clear, it's, it's not that they're not important. It's not that we should resist or only have logic. It's that um, we are still in control, right? We are the one who is experiencing those thoughts and feelings, and we decide um, how we respond to those rather than letting those thoughts and feelings dictate our reaction slash response, right? Our reaction is automatic. Our response is something we choose. So to choose um, based on what we learn and understand by staying as the subject, as the one experiencing it, rather than being the object and being swept away and identifying too strongly uh, with our thoughts and feelings. Um, The other thing uh, that I want to share with you that I learned uh, this year and thinking about this is we create these mental models of the way the world should be. And the great thing about a mental model is it gives us this semblance of control and predictability in the world, which actually does not exist, right? Uh, and if we didn't do this, you know, it'd be very anxiety producing, right? Just to think that like, oh my gosh, you know, like there's absolutely, you know, anything random could happen at any time. However, in actuality, that's true. (laughs) Right now, a rocket could fly through my window. My wife could decide to divorce me because I'm podcasting too much, Uh, You know, my son could decide, you know, he doesn't want to talk to me anymore. Um, I don't know. Anything could happen. A a pipe could burst and cause, you know, hundreds of thousands of damage, uh, you know, to our house. We actually have no control over that. And we have no control over other people as well. How other people will react or think, you know, they are the ones who are choosing uh, for themselves. So these mental models do serve a function in you know, providing some structure for us and some predictability and easing um, our anxiety. However, these mental models also can produce a prison or a false sense of control and what the world is like because it's just a model. It's not the real thing. It's just a representation that we have come up with. And that model is informed by our unique experiences, by the society we live in, by our age, and it is no more right or wrong than someone else's model because their model is susceptible to the same flaws, the same subjectivity. So you actually uh, want your mental model to break sometimes because that mental model is actually hurting your performance Let's say when you think someone is not able to do something because they're too young or too old. Well, you could have the next big hit on your hands, but your mental model is actually blocking the success for you, for that person, for the organization. Because your mental model, it's just a model. It's not actual uh, reality. And in the same way, um, you know identifying too strongly with our thoughts and feelings, not understanding that we are the one, we are the subject who's experiencing that and get to decide how to respond can often um, drive us into behaviors and responses that are not helpful to high performance, that are not helpful to great sort of team performance and team uh, cooperation. Um, So just a few things I was thinking about how, you know, wow, you know, these concepts actually apply a lot to how I work with others, how I think about others, how I think about my own career, right? When I'm feeling down, uh, you know, we just had layoffs recently um, and I'm feeling down. uh, You know, what does that mean? Sure, I'm experiencing that, but that doesn't define um, who I am. It's just something I'm experiencing. And then, you know, next month, next week, I could be feeling great, right? Um, And then, In addition, you know, those mental models thinking I'm too old to this, I can't do this, I can only do that. uh, That's actually a prison that I built uh, to myself. So when we're able to understand that uh, for ourselves, we can also understand that for other people and how we do that to other people. And here's a bonus, how other people may be doing this to themselves. So there may be someone on your team who doesn't understand that they often do this to themselves and they're locking themselves in their own sort of prescriptive box or, you know, limitation and that your sort of um, ability maybe to help them see that or at least sort of reflect on that so they can see that themselves can be a huge benefit to their performance and their success, which hopefully contributes to your performance and your success as well well i'm joe kwan the connection counselor and thanks for joining us on diversity bites this content is informed by my everybody thrives program which is for companies looking to unlock the full performance of all their people learn how at connectioncounselor.com remember when it comes to higher performance diversity bites belonging delights